When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Stuff is ready. Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast presented by CelticsLife.com. Ben Vallis here, or as I go by on Reddit, Brutal Gash. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Coming up, Celtics absolutely pants the Raptors. We'll get to some news over the past week, plus the best of Celtics Reddit from the past week also, including up or down on Brian Scalabrini as a TV analyst. Just the two-person pod for you tonight, and joining us for that is one LaBird33. LaBird, happy new year, man. How's things? Great man, had a good New Year's. Uh, hung out with my wife's family. We were we're over in you know the opposite end of the uh, United States from uh, from Boston, you know, over in Seattle. But yeah, I was craving a little bit of that, you know, that lobster and clam cuisine of the East Coast. So I got some lobsters shipped overnight to Seattle, and we had a, a big old feast. So that was nice. Wow, nice, yeah. well done. That's clutch, clutch uh, lobster <laughs> organizing there. I love it. <laughs> Uh, look, a few housekeeping notes very quickly. Just a reminder, all our episodes now go up on CelticsLife.com, which has its own original content you should definitely check out. The best of which, in my opinion, comes from our very own LaBird33. Also, <laughs> we're now up on YouTube. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm claiming it. I, I, I believe that. Uh, we're now up on, on YouTube via Timmy, uh, Timmy's very awesome popular highlights channel. Um, I think his name is Thomas Kordolowski. Apologies, Timmy or Thomas, if I've said that incorrectly. Uh, look, if you like the pod and you want to support us, just subscribe. Subscribe on your favorite pod- podcast platform. Uh, those metrics show up uh, for us and and put us in a better position to succeed and get better guests and, and advertisements and things like that. So um, if you want to support us, that's what you should do. But first, let's get to the business of the day. The Celtics, they beat the Raptors 126 to 114 in a game that was not that close. Thanks to some fourth quarter antics there by Tremont Waters. Uh, I'll throw this question out to start. Which performance is more significant? Tatum, 40 points, six boards, two assists, two blocks, 13 for 13 from the free throw line, or Peyton Pritchard, 23 points, eight assists at 61.5% field goal percentage? Yeah, I want to talk about both of those guys, obviously. Um, but if we're talking about significance, I think the one that obviously moves the needle the most for us is Pritchard. I mean, Tatum, and you know, that's just a continuation of his kind of underrated All NBA performance last season. And you know, arguably his his previous game against Detroit was more significant for some reasons we can talk about. But yeah, I would say this Pritchard one is is pretty big development. I mean, that guy. Uh, he just he looks like a real <laughs> basketball player. It's pretty it's pretty amazing. I mean, we went into this. I don't think anyone really had any except for a couple guys. There's a couple guys on Re- on Reddit we can maybe shout out that that uh, really were high on Pritchard coming into this. But most of us weren't really expecting anything from a late first round pick, and to see him step up <laughs> in this way. I mean, I, I have him. I mean, he's so far he's been one of our top six players. I mean, he really has. Um, he you know, I, I, I'd love to hear what you have to say about it, but. You know, there's specific points in that game where he's just there's so many little things he's doing that are like, man, this guy has so many things he can do. He, he's controlling the pace of the offense. He's so polished, so poised. I mean, there was this little like uh, I remember this shot he did over Siakam where he took contact and then threw it off the tip of the you know the tip of the top of the backboard. There was another play where he had this little hook shot. There was a step back three. I mean, he just has a great touch. He seems to have a great feel for the game. Excellent handles. I don't want to. You know, it's still early, and I, you know, I worry that teams will start to game plan for him a little bit. He's still kind of the, you know, it's the element of mystery, but uh, mm, sure. but still, I mean, he's averaging what eight, 
0.6 points, 54% shooting, 42% from three, 87.5% from the line. I mean, there's really nothing negative about what he's doing right now. It's pretty awesome. Taylor Snow today, he, he tweeted out the, the rookie ranks, and this is where Peyton Pritchard sits. Points, fourth. Uh, field goals made, third. Assists, second. Steals, second. Defensive rebounds, tenth. Plus, minus, second. Which, um, you know, is, is fine. It's not like it's a super strong rookie class, but if you think back to the, the, the general fan reaction when Pritchard was drafted by the Celtics, like, this is a nice place to be. And also, if you think about the things that we were worried about when we lost Gordon Hayward, like if you list the, like the, the qualities of the team that were going out the door when Hayward left, you make a similar list of what Peyton Pritchard brings and like those lists are very comparable. You know, like obviously That's there's not the, the veteran acumen, but the the playmaking, the penetration, the the ability to you know I already said playmaking, but I'll say the ability to pass out of out of that penetration, um, and, and just this overall you know basketball savant acumen kind of thing that is really nice to have, um, and probably difficult to to scout for, and particularly from the fan perspective to to scout for you know going into whatever draft so it's a, it's a pleasant surprise in what we're getting from Peyton Pritchard and um I'm very I'm very happy with what we're seeing obviously I'm I'm stoked you can probably tell from the tone of my voice yeah it's super exciting i mean every time i watch him it's like that guy can play he just seems like he can play and i'm still trying to not get overly excited i mean there was this i remember going way back i remember Dwan Wagner coming into the league for Cleveland and there was like a stretch where he had a bunch of 20 point games and then just kind of puttered out. And of course, you know, you can talk yeah. about like Jeremy Lin, who did the same kind of thing. He played like, you know, 11 games that just lit the whole world on fire and then kind of puttered out. But, you know, he still made, he still had an impact on the game going on going forward. I mean, with Pritchard, he just seems like he knows how to play. And it's just, it's just like, it's rare for us to have a rookie that steps in and contributes that quickly. So it's super encouraging. And also, I mean, let's note that like, you know, that was a game which Waters started and didn't look nearly as polished and refined as Pritchard. I mean, just comparing those two is really interesting. Yeah, well, they did go down the Celtics 13 early in this game. And, you know, you could attribute a lot of that, at least part of that, to, to Tremont Waters. Pritchard comes in to replace Waters and is a huge part of, of that comeback where they, you know, ultimately it's like a 28-point swing or something like that. But... Um, just the is the VORP, the value over replacement player. It's probably the wrong metric, but the, <laughs> Pritchard coming in to replace Tremont Waters in this case uh, was huge and, and very impactful and uh, and led to, I guess, like the Celtics regaining control of the game, uh, which is really good. Uh, a couple more notes on, on Peyton Pritchard. I feel like we could just do a Pritchard podcast, but <laughs> Joe, shout out to Joe and Jackson who aren't with us tonight. Uh, Joe commented in our Slack, uh, the Marcus Smart Appreciation Society. Uh, I love how when he gets caught on the big in the pick and roll, he digs in hard to deny that bounce pass. Just an example of that that sort of basketball savant quality he, uh, he brings there. Although I did think that he traveled on that three-point attempt where he was fouled at the end of the game. You know the, the play I'm talking yeah, about where yeah. he got fouled and... <laughs> Yeah, it did look like he kind of shuffled his feet a little bit there, but um, maybe he's already getting those superstar calls. Right. Who knows? Who might have say that? Right. <laughs> loving it. That's all I got. <laughs> I'm loving it. It's, it's great. I mean, he's already he's already a fan favorite. I mean, you check out Twitter and it's just it's all Pritchard. Everyone just wants to talk about him. Everyone wants to talk about his nicknames, you know, P Rabbit or whatever it is. But uh, <laughs> loving it. I'm loving yeah. the Pritchard. Tatum, Tatum didn't see. He didn't seem particularly keen on like having that conversation with with Forsberg, old Forsberger on the uh, on the like the you know whatever the, the call they do back to the the studio after the game where he was throwing a couple of nicknames at him and Tatum was just like yeah no no he's eight mile. Have we maybe found the last player that'll wear number eleven for the Celtics? I mean maybe. <laughs> Uh, it's possible. I know we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but uh, yeah, I mean they'll, they'll probably retire his number, right? Um, just the, the the one other point is, uh, I think this is maybe the best part of what we've seen from from Pritchard so far is how much mutual trust there is, like clearly between Pritchard and the rest of the team, particularly Tatum and Brown and, and Smart as well. Like they already, I don't know. Like I think at one point uh, when Tatum had checked back in. And uh, he was close to getting his career high. And Tr- uh, Tremont Waters got a rebound and just like darted up the court and didn't find Tatum, who was like not only the hot hand throughout the game, but clearly in a position to get his career high. Um, and and Tatum seemed perturbed by that by that whole sequence. But I feel like Peyton Pritchard did the same thing several times, and he was just like, "Yeah, dude, like you're awesome. Just 
do whatever yeah, you want. I know that too. I mean, yeah, that was that late game possession where Tatum could have got 43 or 42, I guess, but he gave it up to Pritchard. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I've noticed the same thing, you know, you see just like the amount of, um, in interviews, just how much credit the other guys like Brown are giving Pritchard. It's partially because Pritchard's their elder. He's like, no, he's, I guess Pritchard's a year. He's, he's <laughs> yeah. older than Tatum, but no, I mean, it just, there seems to be a, it seemed to already be embracing that guy. And so we just have to assume that in practice and the little tight, you know, a little bit of training camp they had, he came in right away and was just, you know, balling. So I'm, I'm just assuming, I'm assuming, but they've, he seems to have already earned their respect, which is awesome. It reminds me of like back when we had so I, I think you're going to talk about this at some point. There was a thread that was, you know, talking about when's the last like late pick that we had that really kind of surprised. I was trying to think it was well, yeah. and this wasn't a late pick, but I remember when we got Joe Johnson, I think he was 10th and there was a stretch early on where, you know, we had Walker and we had uh, Pierce and Joe Johnson came out of the gate pretty hot. And then they just kind of just, I mean, n- no offense to those guys, Pierce is a legend, but from what I understand, they kind of just shattered his confidence. They're like, who's this kid? I don't want, you know, I don't want him on a block. And Johnson, Johnson <laughs> sort of seemed to be shook and he never really regained that confidence in Boston. This is like the opposite. Like these guys are totally embracing Pritchard. They're like, yeah, he's one of us. This is, this is our man. I mean, Jalen Brown called him the goat. I mean, what the hell? They love this guy. So yeah. <laughs> exact opposite. <laughs> I guess that's, that's the worst case scenario where Pritchard is so good that he shatters the confidence of, of the Jays and they, you know, <laughs> they fall into the, the shadow realm and, you know, and, and fall out of their, you know, the, the pathway that they're currently on. Hopefully that, that doesn't happen. But yeah, I mean, you raise a good point, and it, it sort of triggered uh, this for, from a user Samurai Devil O Nine, who wrote, "How on earth did Peyton Pritchard fall so far down to us?" And it had me thinking. Yeah, like when is the last time a Celtics? I put a Celtics non lottery pick outperformed expectations in their first season. Uh, and the two names I came up with did a quick Wikipedia search of um, you know the Celtics draft picks over the past you know half a century or whatever. Al Jefferson, he was picked at 15 in 2004. He had a half decent rookie season, but I wouldn't say necessarily that he performed outside of expectations. Like he was pretty hyped going in right. for Celtics fans. Rick Fox picked at 24 in 1991 is probably my pick there. That's kind of late first round, very similar position to to Pritchard there, um, and had a, a pretty good first season with the Celtics and ultimately a, a pretty good career overall. Yeah, that Rick, I was, I was trying to find that as well. And I kept going back like Albert Jefferson, I think only, I loved Al Jefferson. I mean, early on in his career, he was really, I talked about that in a previous podcast where I thought that guy was going to be a star and he kind of, you know, was a fringe star, but his early, his rookie season, I think he only averaged around six points. So I kept going further and I thought maybe Delonte West was the guy, but he also didn't really come out of great that didn't come out of the gate that hot. I got to mm. Eric Williams, who averaged 10, but then I realized he was a lottery pick, 14th, so he doesn't really count. So, yeah, I think Rick Fox, you might be right on that. That might be the last time we had a guy picked that late who, you know, actually came out putting up these kind of numbers. So, wow, it's a... Uh, yeah. It's rare. I mean, yeah, it's well, rare, I guess. It is. It's extremely rare. and it's, it's fun. I'm having so much fun watching Celtics games. And, you know, the first couple of games... You know, we beat the Bucks on that very. It was basically a miss by Jason Tatum. Let's let's be honest. Uh, you know, we followed the Pacers once, we followed the Pistons once. Like it hasn't been a dream start to the season. So you do kind of have to find these these diamonds in the rough, so to speak. And um, I think you know we can speak for most Celtics fans where the, these things are highly enjoyable when you, you choose a guy deep in the in the uh, first round and he turns out to be like fucking awesome. So really enjoying that. Uh, just on the numbers for Celtics first round picks, uh, according to Sean Grande, the only Celtics rookie ever to notch 23 points and eight assists in the first half of their rookie season is, uh, it's you, it's Larry Bird 33, it's, it's Larry <laughs> Bird, Bird. <laughs> close enough, yeah, amazing, so uh, he's in good company there, but we've got to get to Jason Tatum, we've gone here 13 minutes now, we've only talked about Peyton Pritchard, which is deserved, thoughts on on Jason Tatum in this this performance and I guess in the past week since our last podcast, Larry Bird? Yeah, um, I mean, Tatum's been amazing. <laughs> Tatum somehow has become under, like, it's weird. It's kind of weird. It's, there's a pocket of the fandom who is still not totally embracing how great Tatum actually has been. So, to give you an idea, so I posted an article on Celtics Life pretty recently about that failed game winner that um, Tatum shot. And we talked about it in a previous podcast as well, about how he missed that sidestep three. And my stance in that was, you know, just like, 
you know, Brad, Brad came out and said that it was a failed play, uh, that they had another option that got denied and Tatum just, you know, that was their second option. Essentially it was just let Tatum create a shot. And my whole thing was, you know, it's not a terrible shot for him and he's made those before in game. I don't necessarily mind him taking that. Um, but anyways, I posted this article on Celtics life where I kind of just talked about, you know, in some ways, a guy who's willing to step up and take that shot shows a winning, a winning mentality of a superstar player. And that's kind of what we want from our superstars, someone who doesn't shy away from those moments. And I also kind of brought up a couple guys like Pierce and the kind of, you know, his history of game winning attempts and how more often than not, they were misses and also brought up Kobe and how Kobe, although we remember all of his game winners, there is many, many, many shots that he missed in those situations. And if you looked at the actual percentage of those shots, there was, it was pretty bad actually. But anyway, so I posted that and, and I was a little surprised by some of the uh, negative reaction I got from some, the fans on the Celtics live Facebook, quite a few were like, how dare you compare Tatum to Kobe? (laughs) So I'll, I'll I'll shout them out right now. Marlon Green, Marlon Green says that article is reaching Tatum and Kobe are not alike. LOL. And then Carrington (laughs) Gupti was like, you, you," he said, lost us a lot of games, by trying to be Kobe. Dennis Simmons says, you did not just put Tatum in with Bryant. And then the last guy, Jamie, (laughs) James Fairhurt says Tatum is not Kobe and never will be. And I just want to say to these fans who are saying this, listen, listen, like Kobe, an icon of a generation. We lost him way too soon. I'm not trying to discredit Kobe in any way. Obviously, he's sacred to a certain age group. But I want to just put this in context because Tatum right now, you know, he's the same age as Kobe was during that original three-peat when he was on those Shaq title teams. And the truth is, if you actually look at it and you look at the stats that Tatum's putting up right now, last season and this year, and compare it to 21, 22-year-old Kobe, you can arguably make the case that Tatum's better right now. And I can give you some stats. I can go into this. And I think it like kind of... Please do. It kind of like... Yes. Because like, I want to defend myself. But it kind of like encapsul- encapsulates, I guess, how Tatum somehow, his superstar ascension is being like underrated. I don't think people really are appreciating it for what it is. Because if you think about those, those title teams for Kobe, you're like, yeah, he was a legend back then. But here's an example. So 21-year-old Tatum last year, same age as Kobe during that first title year. Tatum averaged more points, 23.4 points to Kobe's 22, averaged more rebounds, 7 to Kobe's 3 uh, to 6. He shot a higher percentage. I mean, Kobe's never, never, never was a three-point shooter that Tatum is now. He was 32% then, 33% career. Tatum last season, 40% from three. Average less turnovers. And then I wanted to do the the actual adjustment for possessions too, because people will say, well, you know, you have to account for minutes. I mean, Back then, Kobe was averaging more minutes than Tatum, despite averaging less points. But if you even look at like per 100 possessions and look at it in that regard, Tatum averaged more points, 33 to Kobe's 30, more rebounds, 10 to Kobe's 8.5. His true shooting percentage, higher last season, 56.7% to Kobe's 54.6%, less turnovers. So statistically, Tatum was at the same age beating what Kobe was doing the same age. And then if you look at like his actual impact on the game, so I mean it's it's fair to note that Kobe that year was second team all NBA. Kobe uh, and meanwhile Tatum was third team all NBA last year, but I, he should have been second team. I think he Siakam getting picked mm-hmm. over him was nonsense. We've been seeing that now this season. It's, it's becoming more and more apparent. But then if you so also today. look at like yeah, the today also, but then if you also look like this defensive ratings, uh Tatum was the highest on our team in defensive rating, defensive win share. He's t- he was top 10 in the league. Um, he was 14th most points in all defense voting, and he probably would have made an all defense team last year if it wasn't for Kawhi, Bam, Giannis, and Anthony Davis. Pretty pretty good forwards on the defensive end. So the only thing you can really say is that Kobe averaged more assists, but of course he had Shaq to dump the ball into. So that was last year. I mean, if you look at what they're doing this year, it's the same thing. We've only had eight games so far, but to spare you all the stats, maybe I'll do an article on this, but to spare you all the stats, uh, right now, a 22-year-old Kobe who made a leap that year and through eight games, 22-year-old Tatum, they're about even. I mean, the per 100 possessions is, is basically the same. Tatum, 36 points. He's averaging 10 rebounds to Kobe's 7.5. His true shooting percentage, once again, much higher so far, 58.5% to Kobe's 55.2%. If you look at what Kobe did in the playoffs as a 21-year-old compared to what Tatum did in the playoffs, Tatum was significantly better. 
25.7 points mm-hmm. to Kobe's 21. Across the board, I mean, State, Tatum has been putting up stats that seems to be on that Kobe trajectory. I know that was a meme for a while, but he actually does seem to be doing that. And it's not just Kobe. You compare him <laughs> to what Dirk did at 22, better than that. Compare it to what uh, Durant did at 22, basically the same. Compare him to what Pierce did at 22, it's significantly better. I mean, he might actually be putting up stats that are better than Pierce's peak at this point. He's amazing. The guy's fucking uh-huh. amazing. There's a long way of saying the guy's fucking amazing. You have a superstar in your midst. This guy's incredible. He's playing alongside another budding star in Brown. I appreciate it, Celtics fans. It's amazing. Well, yeah, and like the the fact is, is that if he makes that shot, if he makes that that shot, then the narrative is completely different, and probably more people are agreeing with the the Kobe comparisons. But like, evidently, those those comparisons have a lot of substance, and you you did a, a you know you laid out the stats there, and it's it's clear that um that there are some similarities there, and 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 to the point. Tatum is well within his right to attempt these these game winning threes. Like he can make them. He's a star. Plus, he's only twenty two years old. He's gonna miss them. I think it's Jordan's quote who says, "You miss every shot you don't take," or whatever it was. And and he touched on it. Kobe averaged exactly plus one shacks to to Tatum. <laughs> so arguably, Kobe's environment was easier because Shaq was constantly attracting a lot more attention attention than say Jalen Brown might be. So right. and I, I, again, I, 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 I understand I wanna, where you're coming from. And I yeah, and I don't want anyone to think that I'm trying to shit on Kobe. I mean Kobe was amazing. This is the point is like, you know, Tatum might not have the same longevity. He you know probably won't end up winning five titles. We can hope that he wins five titles. But you know, I was just looking at what he's doing so far, yeah, he's on that path. And to what your point is what you just said, I mean, it's spot on. I mean, one of my main things that I said in that article was that I like him getting those late game reps to have those game winning opportunities, especially in early games like this, because it just puts him in that mindset where I think Ray Allen was the best at this, where those late game shots were the same as any other shot. I'd like to see him do that. And then what, like two games later, he ends up hitting another game shot. And it was just like any other shot for him. So, I mean, I love that. I love Mm -hmm. that he's already getting those reps as the man in those situations because it's a hard thing it's a hard thing to to hit those shots and to be the man to take that shot so yeah yeah and so bringing it back to to current day tatum uh 12 assists against the detroit in the last game goes for 40 tonight on just 19 shots Uh, uh, either one of those games more of a standout performance to you yeah the last one i mean that was so you watch that that game both games against detroit were interesting i mean they they kept doubling tatum on basically every possession if you just go watch his highlight reel and just watch any any time tatum had the ball they were sending two men at him and to see that he's now finding the open man and in, in those you know in those situations is great he seemed to be making most mostly good reads on who was a you know who was open and everyone around him at least in that game was knocking down shots i mean we had grant williams knocking down shots and uh and you know sammy ogele has been knocking down shots uh, Brown obviously has been feasting, although Brown's been creating his shot as well. I mean, he's been amazing, of course. We haven't talked to him about him much, but um, yeah, oh, I mean, we'll was, get to it. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, the twelve assists was zero turnovers. I think that that was that's that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's where Incredible. when we looked at like that Kobe thing, Kobe averaged five assists back then. It's still early. I mean, as as Tatum gets more and more comfortable in this role, and they start doubling him more and more, he's going to have so many opportunities for for getting more assists. And then as guys like Pritchard start coming up and, you know, giving him more options to kick out to, I mean, he could average six assists by the end of the season. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, absolutely. And Scalabrini mentioned it on the call, I think in the Detroit game a couple of days ago, where he was getting these traps, you know, above the break, essentially, um, above the three-point line, basically two dudes rushing at him while he's, you know, trying to come off a pick and roll or whatever. And uh, as well as finding the open man that is generated off those two people rushing at him, those two players rushing off him, he also, on a few instances, actually, like, just dribbled around both of them, like, just beat the trap altogether and then got into super open space because he's passed two defenders you know and and then in theory he's got four of his teammates in front of him with only three defenders remaining because the other two are behind him and he was doing a really good job of getting himself into that position that was opening up an insane amount of passing lanes for him that was really cool and not something that we were seeing even in the bubble I thought where that was that sort of defense was really troubling him a lot so that's really promising you know all the caveats it's 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 early and and whatnot so we don't know if that's going to be a consistent part of his game but that is really really good to see and when his shot is falling and it does look like 
you know, he's developed some rhythm there now. It really opens up his inside game. And we we saw that today where uh, his shot was falling from the outside initially and it enabled him to get to get inside and, and, and draw some fouls and get to the free throw line. Um, I will say we were in the penalty for a lot of the second quarter. So we did get to the free throw line on, on some sort of ticky-tack fouls. It's probably worth mentioning. But um, yeah, obviously 13 free throw attempts is a huge improvement for him. So... Like we were saying with Peyton Pritchard, it's all coming up Tatum as well. And uh, I think it was 21 points in the second quarter with this Tatum and the bench lineup. Um, just amazing. So, so happy to see. Like, really, it's it's organic, right? And it feels good where Kyrie's gone, Hayward's gone. All these sort of dudes that were from other places that were invited to the party have come and gone. And we're left with, like, our homegrown dudes now. And we're sort of starting to generate some some organic success with that and i think that's other than winning a title maybe one of the best feelings one could have in in basketball fandom is there anything to that yeah no i completely agree i mean the homegrown thing has always been it's been so much it's it's the most fun it really is i mean why watch pretty much every game of pierce's career so to watch him go from what he was coming into the league to winning that championship that that was the most rewarding moment i had as a as a sports fan for sure so seeing tatum and brown both of those guys creating you know getting so much better every year is it's awesome yeah i mean it's it's that's it's aside from winning a championship that's i think that's the peak of a sports fandom is watching these guys grow into into you know top top level stars yeah very satisfying this is our first reddit user shout out sorry it took so long to get to this 25 minutes in user they call me ydg wrote tatum was furious at the bench for not holding the lead Smart didn't dap up Tremont Waters and was scolding him when he went to the to the. He said the beach. I think he meant the bench. <laughs> uh, did you did you notice this? Like I, I I don't know. Let me hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, a couple fans thought that he was mad that he didn't get his uh, career high. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, but it did seem like that. he was he was a little pissed that he had to get checked back into the game. I think that's uh, that's just a sign of him trying to display leadership. I think. I don't. Th- I don't think we get to see how vocal he is a lot of the times. I mean, there was a. I remember there was a video last year where we actually he was mic'd up, and it surprised people how vocal Tatum actually is in the mm-hmm. games. He does seem like he has leadership qualities, um, and and Brown almost seems like he's a little bit more uh, like introspective. So maybe maybe they need that from Tatum. Maybe they need Tatum and Brown to be those guys. I mean, they don't have. I mean, it used to be Marcus Morris would be that guy, or you would have you know. Carry throwing tantrums or something but but now it seems to be it's tatum tatum needs to step up into that role and he seems to be embracing it i don't i didn't see it as a negative really i mean just i mean what are you supposed to do you have these young guys check in and then they completely you know throw away the lead you can't just act apathetic i feel like you have to say come on guys what are you doing so i didn't see it as really a negative yeah. it seemed like it's you know what he's supposed to do in that role I did see Seth yeah, tweeted I, it. Someone <laughs> tweeted it and they were like, you know, if that was Kyrie doing that, we would have all been like tearing him apart. But because it's Tatum, it's leadership. I don't know. I thought that was kind of, I thought that was kind of weak. I mean, he, he, that is, it is leadership I and mean, you have to, you have to speak up. You have to like motivate the guys. So. Yeah. And like Kyrie Irving's got a shitty reputation, so it's not, you know, it's not comparable at all in my opinion. And people people are looking for Tatum to speak up in these situations. And it's funny what you said about Jalen Brown. I feel like he's probably really active in the group chat, like sending inspirational quotes <laughs> and like gifts and stuff like that. When Tatum's kind of actually more like practical with his feedback on the court. Um, but you know, the fact of the matter is, he has to come back into the game. And then even when he does, guys like Tremont Water, Tremont Waters aren't even feeding him the ball to you know to usurp his existing career high so i can see how that would be frustrating for jason tatum plus he's 22 years old you know like you can't expect him to have this super mature demeanor and yet he kind of does so i don't know i don't think there's anything there is there anything that tatum didn't do well in this game or like hasn't done particularly well this season overall that you are looking for him to improve on for throughout the rest of the season not in this game so i mean i i I've been defending those threes because I had a post what a couple a couple of days ago or maybe it was yesterday where I said that there was 13 players in the league that were taking more threes than Tatum. Tatum is one of the best three point shooters in the entire league. He should be shooting lots of three pointers. So listening to yeah. Abby Chin and Brian Scalabrini having you know a, a little bit of a debate about this in one of the post games. I think it was after the Pistons game. And Scal was very much in the camp that that's like ruining the game. He's like the three pointers are ruining the game, and I get that stance. It's kind of a boomer stance. It's kind of like a, you know, <laughs> back in my day, we didn't shoot 13 threes a game. I get it. I yeah. totally get it. 
but it does happen. That is what's happening in this league. They've decided that is that is an efficient shot. You get more points from it, so they take those shots. And Tatum is one of the best in the entire league at doing them. So I don't mind that. Uh, I would like to see, just in general, I'd like to see him get to the line more. I mean, once he gets... Right now, he's getting doubled every time he has the ball. And he's also starting with two bigs, which makes spacing difficult. So tacking the basket and not having kickout options and having the you know an interior to a certain extent clogged by those two bigs makes it difficult for him to attack the basket as much as he probably can. Um, I mean, that's been something we've been saying since he entered the league that eventually he can feast and just like, completely live at the line like Pierce did. I mean, Pierce was just, we get to the line constantly, he lived at the line. Tatum can add that to his, his game and we're seeing examples of it. But I mean, look, it's back-to-back games where one game he got doubled, he got 12 assists. The next game he didn't really get doubled, he got 40 points. He's adapting to the situations and dominating. He's been a dominant presence. And even in games where he doesn't necessarily put up the he doesn't necessarily put up the the top stats, he still has been leading almost every game and plus minus. I mean his impact has been incredible. Even in the game when Jalen Brown, who's been amazing, had forty two points, Jason Tatum was the one that had the higher plus minus. He's just been yeah. such an impact player. He he makes it so much easier for everyone on both the offensive and defensive end. So I don't really have any complaints about the guy. He's better than Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, the only thing that I would add to that is I think he, he, yeah, I mean, everyone's saying this. It's not an original thought of mine, but he needs to get stronger at, at going to the cup and, and drawing <clears throat> fouls. And yeah, he got to he got 13 free throw attempts today. But like I said, a lot of that was due to tiki-tack fouls while we we're in the bonus. So I, I'm not... Re- I'm choosing not to read into that uh, as much as as maybe I could, but you know he's 22 years old. I hope that when he's 27, we look back at photos of 22 year old Tatum and say, "Wow, like he was so skinny then." Even though he's already like way more buff than he was when he came to the league, I do think there's some strength to add there, um, and probably some confidence and not um, this. He kind of has this reluctance at times where he's going to the hoop and he's trying to like make the finesse move yeah. and not like the strong move, which will draw contact. So I'd like to see some improvement there, but it's kind of nitpicking, you know, when he just goes for 40 uh, in one game and 12 assists in the previous game and both both Ws. So yeah. I don't know. And also the, uh, the thing about the uh, attacking the basket, I mean, it's worth noting that he he's, you know, supposedly worked on that a lot in the off season about finishing with contact and he visibly bulked up in the off season. Yeah. And uh, it's also worth noting, I think it was last year that he started the season and that's all anyone was talking about, how he just could not make a bus- bucket. He just kept missing layup after layup after layup. And then eventually he wasn't, he was making them. So I think I think eventually we'll start getting more and more comfortable making those shots. They'll just go in. I mean, a lot of them have just been rimming out. And as he gets more comfortable with his new body <laughs> and finishing in contact, I think that there might be a non-story in a month or two. I mean, the guy can obviously finish. Um, it's just, you know, I wouldn't read too much into some early blown layups early in the season. Speaking of bulking up, Shemi Ojale, 12 points, eight rebounds, and started the second half in, the I guess, the power forward position. I don't know, the, the wing position in, in place of, of, of one of the extra bigs there. Uh I feel like we've been here before with Shami Ojale, right? Where it's like, oh, he's oh, he's good now. Like he finally <laughs> became good, and it lasts for like three to five games, and he becomes shit again. It, does this feel different to you at all, uh, Bird? Or uh, have we seen this before? Well, it's back to back games where he looked pretty decent. I think he shot thirty eight percent, thirty eight percent from three last year, but it was really low sample size. So, I mean, to see him do it in back to back games is encouraging. Uh, I don't know. We'll see if they keep going to him. I mean, we've been talking about this in all of our podcasts. It's showcase season, so we're going to see lots of different rotations, lots of different lineups. Um, It was interesting. uh, When I first wrote that long post, that long article on Celtics Life, a couple of people were like, why did you include Semi in this? (laughs) Like, why is Semi one of the guys you're including alongside Neesmith and Romeo? It's because, you know, Mm -hmm. he, he is that kind of small forward, power forward, and we needed someone to step up into the Hayward role. And potentially could, you know, theoretically, if he'd played well, step into a big minutes. The last couple of games have been encouraging for him. I mean, if we're talking about whose stock is up, Semi's stock is up last couple of games. It's good to see, um, you know, decent defender. And if he's knocking, knocking down those threes, maybe he's that 3 and D guy that we need. I still have high hopes for Neesmith, who looks horrible. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> And Romeo. I'd like to see Romeo once he gets healthy. But it's good to see someone taking advantage of those minutes. And the last couple of games has been semi. 
Yeah, I mean, if he can knock down those threes, that's kind of everything, right? Because he can defend probably everyone and more that, that someone like Daniel Tice can. So suddenly uh, you've got Tristan Thompson at the five and then you've got these four kind of switchable uh, outside shooting players who can also drive, who can also dish. And, you know, we definitely saw that in the second half and a lot of the second quarter today and I think later in the Pistons game as well. And it's just so much more of a dynamic lineup and there's so many more options. And I think you were talking about on the last podcast about uh, drive and dish is such a, a, you know, it's a common part of any NBA offense, but, you know, the Celtics offense and... Previously, we haven't had a lot of options to to dish to, and you know, on any starting lineup where it contains Marcus Smart and Daniel Tice, if they're two of your dish to options, and that's not going to have a high rate of success statistically. So, if you've got Sammy Ogilvy out there and he's doing all the things he has always done defensively, now he's grabbing boards, now he's hitting threes at a high clip. Like, <laughs> I know it's a small sample size, but. I feel like the theme of this podcast so far has been like things to become excited about. And this is a, a huge part of that. Like we need our bench to be good. Shemi's been around for a while. We've been waiting for this and two games in a row. It's looking good. I'm excited about it. And, and hopefully that might influence the, the lineups that, that Brad Stevens sets going forward. Cause I don't know about you, Bird, but I'm not a huge fan of the, the double, double big lineup so far. No, I'm not a fan of that one either, but you know, Grant <laughs> Williams and Ojale both played well tonight. I mean, they both went, uh, three threes each of them. Uh, Grant had 14 points, Semi had 12. Both of those guys played well tonight. So every once in a while on Celtics uh, Life or on this you know subreddit, you'll have someone who will say, why didn't we trade for Harrison Barnes yet? Why didn't we trade for Buddy Heald? And this is the reason why. I mean, this is what we're trying to do. This is the whole point of showcase season. The whole idea is that we want to get a look at all these guys, spend the next couple months just kind of get an idea of what we have. And through that process... Semi's increasing his trade value. Grant Williams is a trade, you know, increasing their trade value. Maybe you keep them, maybe you trade them. Maybe you now put together a package around Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague because Peyton Pritchard and Time Lord look like two of our top five players right now. I mean, it's all <laughs> the things that this is why you don't make that trade. You have to wait and see what you have and then see what your options are. Yeah, completely agree. And you mentioned Time Lord there, Robert Williams, 11 points. 15 rebounds, that's a career high in boards in just 20 minutes, just under 20 minutes of playing time. Um, so one thing with moving away from the double big lineup, and we, we kind of saw it today, is that it means less minutes for, for Time Lord. So how do you see that working out? Because in a lot of ways, he kind of, like, check me here if I'm if I'm going, like, you know, if I'm way out of my league here or whatever, but he kind of seems like our best big. Am I wrong? Like, overall, he's kind of the, the best, most Im- impactful big we have on the team, and He's, he's certainly not the highest in the pecking order there. So if we go away from this double big lineup, suddenly he's got way less of a role in the rotation. You know, perhaps we see way less of him. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I was looking at just like conventional stats, just counting stats. It's the whole, you know, points plus rebounds plus assists plus blocks. You subtract missed turno- you know, turnovers and missed shots. You subtract those. And Robert Williams right now, even with the limited minutes, is fourth on our team. <laughs> He's been really good. Our top four players have yeah, arguably been Tatum, nuts. Brown, Smart, Williams, then Tristan Thompson, and then probably Peyton Pritchard as a sixth guy, with Tyson Teague after them. I mean, the way I see it working out, it, it seems like I'm not seeing a whole lot of flaws in Williams. He seems to be, his awareness is improving. His his passing is notable. His, his ability to pass for a big, it's pretty good. I mean, offensively, pretty good and what he does and defensively pretty good he seems like by the end of the season I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him be starting i mean i kind of expected at this point and that kind of makes tice the third man it kind of makes him the one that is more likely to be traded and especially considering this is the final year of his contract he makes five million dollars which makes him uh, you know a key part of Tradable. a potential you know traded player exception move Tice would be the one that I would think would be the third man out right now. And likewise, Teague, although we're getting decent minutes from him when he plays, once Kemba comes back, I see Teague Teague is our third point guard. So both of those guys, although they've been a couple of our better players, long-term, I see Tice and Teague as maybe the the men who are maybe on the block. (laughs) Yeah. Use a Lizzie5775MLJ. I think that's two episodes in a row for that, for that user. Uh, they wrote, 
Rob Williams needs more minutes ASAP. He looks so good this year. He somehow looks more bouncy this season. I agree. Like, not only does he look more bouncy, he looks happier. He was smiling down the court a couple of couple of trips as well. Looks like he's having a good time despite the you know the shifting goalpost in terms of his role and his minutes and and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I agree with you. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was starting you know, as early as halfway through the season because he just, he's more impactful. Um, he he has a more unique skill set and I think with that adds more to to our best five lineup, I guess. And, uh, you know, you can throw it up there. Any of us could dribble the ball down the court and throw a lob up there and he's going to catch it. He's going to throw it down and that that's a, a huge... Um, that's a huge part of any offense, I think, to just be able to, to do that, you know, in the dying minutes of a shot clock, just throw the ball up there and he's he's going to be in the vicinity. Yep. Um, and of course, you mentioned the, the passing game as well. So um, there's a lot of aspects to his game that I'm really excited about. This podcast is just brimming with optimism. <laughs> well, I feel like we, we, we almost need Joe back here because Joe's, Joe's pretty good at like being like, well, hang on, guys, like, hang on. Like, you know, he kind of dials us back in a little bit, so... Looking yeah, look, it's the same back. thing. It's like, well, I mean, this is now Robert Williams' third season, right? And he's averaging the least amount of minutes of the three bigs because obviously the other two are starting. But he's putting up big stats in those minutes. I mean, his if you look at the per 36 or whatever, he's blowing the other two guys away. And it's that whole thing. We brought it up a few podcasts ago where we talked about um, it, it, that was the whole thing of Mark Blount where we kept feeding minutes to Blount, although we had a young perk. And it was so frustrating. It was like, why are we still starting Blount? We have Perk. That's why I mean, it's like, I, I like Tice a lot. And Tice just had a great game against Detroit previously. I mean, he had a big game. He had like 15 points. He was great, good. But he seems like he might be the one who ends up getting shipped out at some point because he has value. And we need someone to include in a trade if we're going to try to, you know, get a better wing to help our bench. I mean, that would be the guy that would make sense to be moved at this point. I wouldn't trade time lord and then the flip side is if, if you know if you're looking for a big asset to include in a trade a really good young asset maybe that is time lord i just i mean right now he looks yeah. really good yeah he looks awesome and uh you know with tyus going out as well grant williams has shown the ability to play like a small ball five so he can kind of slot in there as well so i don't know tyus the tyus departure seems less impactful but yeah i mean time lord going out is probably way more enticing for an opposing team you know, looking to trade with us. And that's what we talked about from before the season is, you know, we've got this trade player exception. How can we actually convince anyone to, to come to the dance? And maybe a guy as good and as dynamic as, as Rob Williams is, is the answer there. Um, the Williams, Grant Williams, segue. <laughs> Game high, plus 28 in just 24 minutes, uh, three or four from three. Fantastic defense, finally. Uh, had some really good late clock rotations into the middle, going straight up for these blocks. Uh, great help defense there, three blocks in total. Um, I feel like up until tonight, maybe Grant Williams was one of the more disappointing aspects of the of the young Celtic season. Uh, what are your thoughts on on the the captain here? He didn't even play in the last game, right? I mean, that was no that was Detroit. D&B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, to follow that up with a you know, one of his best games, maybe his best game to date. I mean, 14 points, six rebounds. I mean, he, he played really well. That's good to see. That's good to see. He gets a DMP and steps in and actually plays really well. I like him. I mean, um, there was a post about this on Reddit. I'm sorry. I remember not, I don't know uh, the name of the person who posted it, but they were asking what's up with Grant Williams. And this was after his DMP. I do think it's just going to be one of those things. We're going to try different lineups. You know, maybe semi semi after getting his two good games, we'll end up getting a DMP following it. You, you don't know. I mean, we're just trying different things. But I like a lot of what I see with Grant Williams. He's a good intangibles guy. Um, you know, he's a solid defender. Seems to be high IQ. Uh, I, I'm not as high on him as a lot of other fans. Like, there's some who hope that he's the next Draymond Green. I've been I mentioned Ryan Gomes a couple of times. He seems to be, you know, a more realistic ceiling for me. Um but I mean, he's good. He means he's played well tonight. Hopefully, he keeps it up. It's kind of been up and down this season, but um, I think he's shooting forty percent from three this year. Maybe that's pretty good. I well, mean, that's what we need. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And it's good to see him just kind of remember himself a little bit and and find a little bit of you know how he contributed to the team last year. So really good to see him. And hopefully, we see a lot more of that uh, going forward. So the Celtics bench they score sixty points despite. Being down Jeff Teague and Marcus Smart and obviously Campbell Walker, didn't expect that kind of contribution going in because you imagine, you know, missing so many starters, you slot in your decent bench players into that starting lineup, doesn't leave a lot of promise on the bench and yet 60 points. So uh, 
well done bench we should get to some miscellaneous notes and i can't believe this is miscellaneous but Jalen brown and i want to start <laughs> with the first like he's obviously being on fire the first shot of the game of the entire game yeah it's it was just nuts it was a double crossover step back three on og ananobi known awesome defender and just like just amazingly continuing his run and his momentum of just being just an all-around badass um I don't know. I want to throw to you here. What are your additional thoughts on, on Jalen Brown, LaBird? Well, as a known Jalen Brown hater, <laughs> still I can't dodge the people that think I'm a Jalen Brown hater. Uh, I think he's been amazing. <laughs> I think he's been yeah, amazing. Right. I mean, he's... Uh, hold on. Was he, he's, was he shooting 50, 57%? <laughs> he's shooting 50... No, 58%. He's shooting 58% this year uh, so far, averaging 27 points, 43% from three. Yeah, he's been really, 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 really fucking good. He seems to be completely in control. Um, you know, he's not getting, listen, he's not getting doubled in the same way that Tatum is. But if he keeps playing like this, he will. And so he'll get an opportunity to get more assists as well. And then that opens up things for Tatum. I mean, it's just going to be this really nasty thing. Like, who do you who do you try to stop? Do you try to stop Tatum? Do you try to stop Brown? He's been really good. Um, you know, surprising still to me how many fans think brown is our best player i saw a poll on um on the celtics strong forums which is uh another celtic forum maybe uh-huh. maybe shouldn't have shouted them out and they might be a competitor <laughs> to celtics life but i saw a poll on there and 70 percent of fans there think brown is our best player i mean people love brown he's he's really really good um he seems like well on his way to for you know his first all-star appearance and if he keeps us up it's an all NBA appearance. I mean, he's he's been that good. Yeah, and I think teams are becoming more aware of like what's what's in his bag, or at least like what's the first thing he finds when he reaches into his bag, which is this sort of drive and, and pull up mid range shot, which has been awesome for him this year. And like today, the Raptors D did a really good job of of collapsing on those drives and, and kind of crowding him at that free throw line mid range shot sort of zone. And I thought he did a really decent job of, of passing out to the open guy on the perimeter, um, which, you know, ultimately didn't always lead to a bucket. I, I noted one play in particular where he passed it out to Peyton Pritchett and he, and he nailed a three. Um, but that's really good to see because a huge knock on, on Jalen Brown early, even as late as last year, was that his handle was not nearly tight enough yeah. uh, for an NBA player. And the fact that he's able to get crowded by two huge NBA players in, in this case and still collect the ball, make the right pass, you know, without even really looking in that direction is a, you know, he's, he's hitting his shot, he's hitting his three, his uh, finishing is a lot better, but it's those little sort of intangible things that I think really sort of complete him as a player. And it's good to see him sort of execute in that sense on a on a regular basis yeah you know what i think it is i mean like he so he he made a i've said this many times but he made a monumental leap in his ball handling between uh two seasons ago and last season and that opened up his game completely but if you were to compare and and i hate comparing these guys because i love them both and i just want to keep them forever and there's no point to comparing them yeah well (laughs) michael jordan no but (laughs) but no i mean the tatum and brown thing like i love them both there's really no reason to compare these guys because we're not trading either one of these guys for james harden they're going to be here long term but if i was to compare uh, a certain aspect of the game right now i think that tatum is still trying to figure out what to do with all these tools he has he has so many tools he can do so much and now he's kind of adjusting to this new role and adjusting to getting double teamed. He's still trying to figure out, like, do I use my incredible three-point shooting ability, my step-back three, should I attack the basket? And the difference right now is that Brown, now, you know, a, an extra season into his career, completely seems to know who he is. He knows who he is. He he knows every time he has the ball what he should be doing. He should either be, you know, he, he has an incredible shot. He can attack the basket. He can get to the basket at will. And he just seems to be making, you know, a split second decision. He knows what he should be doing. And obviously he's just completely flourishing right now. I mean, he's just unstoppable through the first, you know, eight games. So it's awesome to see. I mean, he, his confidence is sky high and, and fans should have sky high confidence in him right now. Yeah, completely agree. And I, I am that fan. My confidence is, is sky high. Uh, not so much though in Aaron Neesmith. He had some good moments, I thought. Also had a lot of bad moments and has had a lot of bad moments so far this season. Um, but, you know, he did have one catch and drive from the right corner. 
in the second quarter that uh, opened up a Tatum corner three. Like he, he has sort of exhibited some some basketball acumen. Um, obviously, his notable quality coming into the team was his ability to shoot. Hasn't demonstrated that, but I'm at least somewhat optimistic that he has demonstrated value in other aspects of his game. Uh, I know, Labo, that you were a huge uh, <laughs> Neesmith flag waver, so to speak. Listen, um, I'm buying everyone's, <laughs> everyone's Neesmith stock. I am now the sole <laughs> owner of all the Neesmith stock. Yeah. Um, I'll give you mine. You don't have to buy it. It's fine. <laughs> I, I bought it for pennies and a dollar. Half of my net worth is in Neesmith. And if he makes a couple threes in a row, I'll be a billionaire. But uh, yeah, no, yeah. so far, <laughs> he obviously looks lost. I mean, he doesn't look like he really knows what he's doing. But again, you have to keep reminding yourself that he doesn't. He didn't have a summer league. They had a shortened training camp. Um, I guess there's been very limited practice time, and he hasn't had much opportunity to really do anything. And he his his real strength, you know, ideally his strength will be playing alongside players like Brown and Tatum. And we haven't had much of an opportunity to see what he looks like next to Brown and Tatum. I mean, the whole idea of getting a player like him is to have someone who can knock down shots and spread the floor. And so this game. Yeah, there was a lot that was wrong. <laughs> he had a, a you know a bunch of fouls, but I like the effort. It's good to see him having some defensive effort, and I think it's good. It's good for him to get these reps. I mean, he's gonna now have some game tip tape. You know, he can't do summer league or he can't do uh, rather he can't do G League right now. So these are the opportunities for him to make those mistakes, for him to look at it and say, well, here's what you should have done. You should have switched on this, and you should have you know you know not not gone for this foul here. And these are good opportunities for him. I'm not concerned about the shooting so much. Um, you know, I think it's early. Confidence is probably pretty low. And also, the game hasn't slowed down for him yet. It's probably going so much faster for him than it was in college. And he's just trying to, like, make sure he's doing everything right and not screw up on defense. Eventually, those shots will start falling. I'm not too worried about that. Um, again, we just talked about Grant Williams who's shooting 40% from three right now. Didn't he miss, like, his first, like, 800 three-pointers or something last season? Like, giving these Smith yeah, a little time. yeah. Well, I mean, he didn't, he wasn't, you know, to play devil's advocate, he wasn't, quote unquote, the best shooter in the true, draft, true. Grant Williams. Um, and I, I, I kind of feel like, you know, I'm not some sort of shot doctor or anything, but I, I do feel like Aaron Neesmith's shot form and release, it seems different. It seems different to that of his college career where it was a lot more fluid. Uh, I don't know. Am I, am I wrong? Am I overthinking it? I saw you mention that. And uh, to be honest, I haven't familiarized myself too much with Neesmith's college footage enough to, to recognize that. So I have to take your word for it. Uh, I don't know. I, I would say probably not. <laughs> Maybe we're reading into it. We're just kind of wor- you know expecting the worst case so. scenario and, and thinking that it's going to be <laughs> a, really full, so. a full situation or something. But uh, no, I mean, hopefully that's not the case. I think it's just more of just like he, he's just trying to figure things out right now and you know, probably so much pressure on him every time he has the ball. The thing is, when you get such such few minutes at this point in his career, you know, this early part of his career, it's it's got to be really easy to get in your own head. You're like, man, if mm-hmm. I just miss a couple shots, I'm out of here. This is all I can do. If I miss a couple shots, yeah. they're going to yank me. He played 10 minutes tonight. I mean, he should have played more. I, I want to see him get like 20, 30 minutes a game in these, you know, potential blowouts. I mean, we were up by like 20 something points. We should have had lots of minutes for him. I want to see him get more opportunities. I want to see him, you know, get these reps and, and hopefully those shots will start falling. But right now we saw it even with the likes of Jalen Brown a couple seasons ago, early in that season where we had all these other guys like Morris and Hayward nipping at his heels and wanting those minutes. And he was terrible for a month. It's just like you get in your own head yeah. and you're like, man, if I miss a couple shots, they're just going to put someone else in. And Neesmith has all these other guys who are looking for minutes too. So yeah, hopefully. So I saw the, sorry to, you know, to take over the conversation real quick, but I saw, uh, I forget who mentioned this, but someone was saying the risk is if you give him too much minutes, you'll completely shatter his confidence because then if he just misses so many shots that he just, it'd become like a Carson Edwards situation like last year where it seemed like his confidence got shattered and then he never totally recovered from it. But I do want to see him get more reps and I think this was a good game for him to get some some learning in. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it uh, eventuates to um, or results in some sort of progress because the real risk there is that with Romeo Langford coming back and Campbell Walking coming back, the you know there's a limit to the minutes available to give to everybody on the roster, and he's getting so few minutes as it is. 
these guys, you know, they come back as inevitable. It's going to happen at some point this season, and then he's probably going to see even less minutes than what he's used to currently, which is already very few. So I can imagine, like, I can, I, I guess I can imagine that creating a sense of urgency in his mind, which would cause him to rush things, including his shot release. I don't know, but... Yeah, I just wanted to make one final uh, point on, on E. Smith. So coming into this, the hope was that he would be kind of like a Buddy Heald type. Like this would be our own homegrown Buddy, Buddy Heald. If you look at Buddy Heald, his rookie season, I just, I'm just i looking at the stats right now. His first... So October, he played three games. He didn't make a single three-pointer. He was 0 for 8 to start in October in those three games. And then in November, he went 18 for 68, which was 23.9% from three. Uh, sorry, 26.5% from three. So uh, Buddy Heald's first 19 games looked like he couldn't shoot at all. So, it, you know, if we're going from Heald as the, the comp here, Neesmith's <laughs> well on his way to being the Buddy Heald because that guy couldn't <laughs> hit a shot either for his first couple of games, you know? So let's give him a little bit more time. A couple months from now, maybe we'll look at him and be like, wow, this... This guy's totally changing the dynamic of the game. He's spreading the floor. He's hitting everything. So let's see. That's uh, that's really interesting. I'm I'm glad you looked that up. That that definitely shed some light on on the situation with Nee Smith. And yeah, he's got time. You know, we're probably not competing for a championship this year. Let's be honest. We're, we're competing to be very good, and uh, we're we're showing that we've got a lot of promise for the future. But. You know, there are a lot of very, very good teams out there in the NBA. So the, the most thing is that we, uh, we've we used this word way too many times in, in podcasts so far, but showcase the, the talent that we have, whether it be tradable or, or playable talent. And uh, we've got some time. We've got some time for this kid. So I'm not like I'm not completely selling all of my stock, like I mentioned earlier, but, you know, it's not the one thing you expect him to do is shoot the ball kind of kind of well and he hasn't done that so far uh like he did in his college season so i mean i think there is some cause for for pessimism there but um like you said some rookies some very promising rookies um get off to a shaky start so time will tell let's end this segment on a positive note though and that is a nba stats tweet posted by user horseshoe overlook jason tatum and jalen brown become the first Celtics teammates to both score 200 points in the first eight games of a season since Larry Bird and Kevin McHale of the 87 Celtics, which is insane. Um, I don't know. Do you want to add anything to that before we move on to the, the Reddit recap, La Bird? Yeah, the only thing I'll add to that is that uh, I had posted right after Jalen Brown hit that 42 point, uh, you know, he hit the 42 points that uh, famously Larry Bird broke Kevin McHale's career high like nine days after he hit the career high so I'm like oh man I wonder if Tatum will do the same thing and this whole game I was like oh my gosh he's about to do it he's about to surpass Brown five days after he so he fell short which is good it's good for everyone's confidence Tatum will eventually get some 50 point games down the road but let's you know let's keep everyone happy and uh, still riding the high of Jalen Brown's career high those both those guys amazing you know we've been talking about how we're maybe coming across a little too optimistic but I think there's reason for optimism I posted a whole article about this after we were down you know we lost our first couple games and i posted this there's reason for optimism those guys are amazing we have all these other guys who are starting to step up now and lots and lots of options so yeah it's a good time to be a celtic fan i think yep completely agreed now it is time for the reddit recap and we're starting with a post by user lil chad who wrote anyone else losing interest in scal as a commentator and they go on to say it's obviously hard to fill tommy's shoes but I'm just not loving Scal this year. You can kind of tell Mikey G, Mike Gorman, doesn't love him, and it seems he's just putting up with him to get through the broadcast. Not sure Scal can be the guy for the next no. 15 to 20 years. Thoughts? <laughs> La Bird, what's your, what's your take on this? <laughs> Listen, um, <laughs> man, I'm a Scal fan. I like his commentary. I think it's very different. We all miss Tommy. Tommy was, you know, he's a legend. And it's also different because... Hey, we talked about this with Abby a little bit when we had Abby Chin on. There's this whole history of Celtic commentators who are just blatant homers. I mean, Tommy and then prior to him, Johnny Most, just these blatant homers where the Celtics are always the good guys, the other team's the bad guys, and, uh, you know, we can do no wrong. And Scal doesn't necessarily approach it like that. He's a little bit more, you know, he, you know, he's a little bit more you know, open to both sides and, and kind of calls it as it is for the most part. I think it's a good dynamic. I don't see it as the same way other people are. I mean, I like Scal on it. I want Scal to come on our podcast too. So maybe I'm being a little biased, but 
Um, yeah, I think you had <laughs> yeah. mentioned something this, about this too. You're, you're worried that Gorman seems like he might be bummed out. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of reasons for Gorman to be bummed out beyond Scalabrini. Tommy Hines just passed away. We're in the middle of an epidemic. You can't do anything. They're doing their games from a studio. They can't travel with the team right now. There's a lot of reasons to be bummed out beyond sharing time with Scal. Scal seems cool to me. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a whole other thing maybe we can talk about where some fans are worried that Scal's being mean to Abby. <laughs> I don't know. What's your, what's yeah. your take on it, well, Ben? Well, first of all, I just want to read this comment from Skeptical Koala who wrote, I imagine Mike's behavior has more to do with having to do his job now that Tommy is gone. Uh, and I mean, they, they had been attached at the hip for decades and were super close. I can't imagine what Mike has been feeling these last few games. And same for Scow. Can you imagine having to follow Tommy Heinsohn? It's just an adjustment period for everybody, which and there's probably a lot of substance to that. But like you mentioned, the the Scow, Abby Chin, Chris Forsberg dynamic is something that I and I think a lot of international fans are interested in, but that I think you can probably shed some light on because... We're all League Pass subscribers here. We we don't see the NBC Sports Boston sort of pre-game or post-game show. Like, really? It's just kind of an arena camera. And then when the game starts, it like kicks into commentary. And that, that's all you see. You don't see any of that sort of extra content. So can you maybe describe to some of the international fans and, and myself, like, where where that's coming from? Yeah. Also, I'll say that's frustrating. I've actually tweeted out to League Pass uh, support on Twitter, and I, I encourage other people to as well. I don't get why they can't just show the post game and, and halftime shows for NBC Sports Boston. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. It's really mm-hmm. annoying. They should be able to show that stuff. But um, it is annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe I'll have a slightly different take on it. There was a pretty good post about it on Reddit where someone kind of described it. But my, it, there was a couple games ago, and it was what we were talking about, where it was Scal's very much against the three pointer, and Abby was taking the stance of. You know, Jason Tatum, it's fine for him to hit those, you know, it's fine for him to take those shots. He's our best player. It's fine. And Scal kind of, you know, got in on her, got in on her a little bit and, and seemed to be, I don't know, I guess you could interpret it as him bullying her. It seems to be what some people are taking it as. I just took it as like, it's television. I mean, they're trying to do like the Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless thing where they're kind of getting snippy with each other. I don't take it seriously. It seems like they were just you know, doing it for the, for the views. I don't know. It didn't seem, it didn't seem really harmful to me. Like, I don't know, maybe we need to have Scal on here and, and scold him for being mean to Abby. But <laughs> listen, if anyone out there knows Scalabrini, please tell him to come on our podcast. We want to talk to him and <laughs> set the record straight. But to me, it didn't seem that big of a deal. They got a little bit snippy at each other, but it just seemed like it was like a brother sister type dynamic. And I think Abby, even on our podcast, when we talked to her, she mentioned this. she was like, yeah, Scal will test me. he's not gonna let me get away with stuff and that seemed like an example of it like he was like no abby you can't be saying that's a good three that's not good that's terrible it's ruining the game of basketball it just seemed like good fun to me yeah and he clearly knows what he's talking about and like he i don't want to i don't want to compare him to tommy heinsohn because it's unfair to make comparisons to tommy heinsohn but he he adds so much value to the the broadcast commentary. I'm, I obviously I can't speak too much to the pre and post game shows because I, I don't have access to that. But his ability to break down plays and describe, you know, why a coach has made a certain adjustment or anything like that is really I think beneficial to any any you know, anyone on the spectrum of basketball fandom whether you, you you've played a lot of basketball and you know your x's and o's or you're just kind of learning uh, it's really helpful in in generating a better understanding of the game which leads to a more informed fandom i think um so i i really i really think he's a valuable addition to the broadcast team last time we talked about abby chin to this effect next episode bam abby chin's on the podcast now we're talking about this <laughs> Brian Scalabrini, next episode, the formula continues. Let's speak it Contains into existence. Brian Scalabrini. Let's do it. That's right. That's right. Uh, I highly doubt he comes on, but um, obviously we'd love to talk to him, not just in his capacity as a, as a broadcaster for the Celtics, but obviously an NBA champion in 2008. So, um We'll see. But anyway, a divisive and, and contentious issue there as to Scal's value as a commentator. I personally like him. It sounds like you do as well, Lard Bird, but um, interesting to see family. how that narrative unfolds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, you know, we're pulling our punches because we wanted to come onto the podcast, but come I digress. On podcast, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, another post, this is the final one. This is by user Red Cigar. And this is a post from a month ago where they wrote Peyton Pritchard. My choice for biggest surprise as rookie in 
NBA. <laughs> I'm just reading this verbatim. Peyton Pritchard, my choice for biggest surprise as rookie in NBA. Okay, 20 minutes a night by Is this written by year. Janos or is this written by Red Cigar? Uh, yeah, I was just like, okay. Um, 20 minutes a night by end of the year and I would start the year with him as the starter in place of Kemba to see what he can do. Uh, I'm not going to read the full post. I will link it in the in the show notes for this podcast. But basically, to summarize the post, they go on to say that Peyton Pritchard is awesome and is super underrated by by fans and is going to turn out to be basically as what we've now seen him to become. Um, and the reason I wanted to mention this on the Red Recap is because Red Cigar was totally fucking right. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it. well, it's worth shouting that out. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I think I mentioned it earlier in the pod. I forgot who had posted it. But yeah, Red Cigar, you nailed it. And I know he's usually a much better poster than that. He doesn't actually uh, speak like Janos. He's actually very eloquent. So good guy. Good job. <laughs> it could be my terrible reading. It's interesting as well that the <laughs> first, the top comment on that that thread is deleted. So I don't know if it was someone sort of dissing the, the take at all. But um, it's obviously Ooh. worked out well for Red Cigar. It's worked out well for us as Celtics fans, and it's worked out well for for Peyton Pritchard. So wait, wait, good share, times. share me, share me the link in the Slack right now. I'll see if I can see who deleted it. Oh sure. <laughs> Do you have it? Uh, doing this live, people. This podcast is going too. Go. Lo- this is going too long, but I want to. <laughs> Yeah, so so Ben, you know, I actually there's a way to see who deleted comments, and it looks like the user's name is Kino AD, and his comment was, "This all feels so Carson Edwards like with the hype," and then he deleted it. So, man, don't be ashamed of your bad take, man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I felt that way. I wasn't confident in the pick. I was on Twitter being like, "Who is this guy? He looks like the son from American History X. <laughs> Why did we just draft him?" Uh, but I'm it, pretty sure it's, it's it was with everyone out. else who was like, let's take the tie. Was the guy named Tyrell Terry or something? I don't know. I was like, yeah. let's take the young guy. Like, listen, yeah. man, it was we were all wrong. <laughs> he looks amazing. It's great. Let's celebrate it. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I was really high on. Was it RJ Hampton? You know, like, uh, no one's ever right with these things. Bill Simmons was really high on James Young, so it's it's all good. I leave your shitty takes on the Hunter. Internet. <laughs> Hunter, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Right. So the next, the didn't next even Clay remember Thompson, his name. Right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. All right, I think we're ready to wrap this one up. We've gone a little long here, La Bird. Is there anything else you want to add? Any any parting words for Celtics fans out there before we wrap this one up? Aaron Neesmith is going to be good someday. <laughs> I don't know. No, I Agreed. don't know. It's it's been good. Let's. I, I'm loving what we're seeing. We have two budding superstars. Get excited, guys! It's great. Yeah, agreed. And give it time on Neesmith, people. It's uh, it's going to happen. All right, that's going to do it for this one. Thank you for joining us. Thank you to CelticsLife.com and the lovely people of Celtics Reddit. Celtics have the Heat, the Wizards, and the Heat again this week. Plenty to look forward to there, and we'll be back to podcast all about it in a week or so. LaBird33, love your work, mate. Thanks again. Take care. All right, folks. Until next time, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.